Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. I am so glad you joined us today. It is a new day, and every day brings opportunities for success for our learners and for us. Students coming in off the buses from their different homes, different neighborhoods, different families, different breakfast cereals. Teachers leaving their homes, driving in, building leaders, keys dangling from their hips, responsible for everything that goes on in that building. Our lives merge together in this wondrous place called school for a brand new day, a fresh start. And that's our topic today, Fresh Starts. And I asked one of my most favorite people in the entire universe, Dr. Rick Jetter, to join us today because he's kind of the king of fresh starts or maybe the prince or maybe just a duke. I'm not sure, but some kind of royalty in my book. And he's just made a most amazing fresh start. And I want him to share that with us. How are you, Rick Jetter? Susie, so glad to be back. You're amazing. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I just love talking to you. I could talk to you every single day. We're going to do that. Let's do a podcast every day. (laughs) All right. So Rick has a most amazing story because Rick was a superintendent and he's a prolific author. He's written numerous books. I can't mention them all. Um, He did, you know, let them speak about with, with Rebecca Coda on student voice, hiring the best staff in your school, another uh, leadership book on igniting wonder and change in schools. So if you go to Amazon or go to the, and just Google Rick Jetter or on his website, you'll see all those books. So Rick, tell us a little bit about the backstory and this journey that's so amazing going from a superintendent to a classroom teacher. Oh my God, Susie, it's a roller coaster ride, right? It's like, so a few years back, uh, I left the superintendency due to just a legal battle that was going on in the district. I was trying to kind of be Superman to help everybody out against uh, some some legal issues we had with some some different staff members who were obviously related to board members, and that became just an explosive and toxic situation, just a nightmare. Um, and I, I just couldn't take it anymore, you know. So I left. There were some things that happened there, and. Uh, I actually landed in educational industry for about three years. I worked for like a New York-based uh, scholastic type of business, writing curriculum and doing some great things there. Uh, and just recently, I went back to the classroom. I just went back to the classroom. English 9, uh, doing some administrative work for the school as well, being a humanities coordinator. It is like high-octane stuff, back in the saddle, you know? It's like every day is a new day, and I just... I didn't think I'd be back in the classroom after all these years. I started in the 90s, like 97 was my first teaching year. Um, But it has been just a a blast, just a blast. But I come home tired. I'm exhausted. You have to have a physical therapist at your house now? (laughs) I know. It's like, you know, and like, it's a good, it's a good tired, right? But I am just, you know, and I talked to some of my colleagues and we are all just absolutely exhausted. And that's something that, as a former superintendent, I never really thought about. Like, my teachers are tired, and I've got to understand that. Um, I never thought about that, but now I do. You know what, though? Boy, it is a, it is a very taxing field. And unless you are a teacher, you're married to a teacher, your mom or dad's a teacher, I don't. people just don't realize That's how right. much we put into it every single day. It's, it's, it's just amazing. And so I want to talk first a little bit about the best thing about being in the classroom. 
I cannot stop laughing. I, yeah. my, my students, the things they say and this, like, they're just, it is a riot. I am all, I'm, I'm really trying to have a good time with this and not be as serious as I used to be when I first started in the classroom. And they, I, we just have a blast. A, a ton of learning takes place. Student achievement is growing each day. We're working really hard, but we are having a shitload of fun, like just a ton of fun. But, you know, they are hilariously funny. I'll, I'll tell you just this. Okay, this story. In a district I was in, you know how you have your ID badges and you have your picture on there, where in this district, they never change the photo. They would change the date, like the expiration date. So I never aged on my photo. And I had it on my hip. And I was teaching eighth grade. And this young man looked at the picture, looked up at me, and he said these words to me, oh, Miss Pepper, what have we done to you? <laughs> Isn't it? It's, it's he wasn't even being mean. It's just they're, they're so open with you. You know, they're, they're so open. They're just going to say it. You know, and I cracked up laughing. You know, maybe if it had been later in the day or something, maybe I would have taken offense, but I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, okay, so let's talk about some challenges, lessons, different outlooks. What are some, maybe just three, Rick, uh, you know, that are, that are changing outlooks, lessons that you've learned? Yeah, you know, I see just a big difference. In, and, you know, it has nothing to do with my experience, right? It's like I have all these years of experience in education and writing books and all this stuff. But it, it's not the experience. It's the wisdom that I kind of collected along the way by learning from others. And I feel so much more confident on like three lessons. Okay. The first one that comes to my mind would be like just decluttering everything, right? It's like we get tons of emails and paperwork and these, you know, there's a lot of nonsense that I declutter so much better than I used to because I know that if it doesn't directly relate to student achievement, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. I will delete it and just ignore it and not do it. Um, and it sounds like extremist, right? But it really works. I mean, it's like we have, we can only do so much and there's so many minutes in a day. Uh, but that would be my first one, like just decluttering everything. Um, and as I mentioned, my number two is kind of connected to number one. If it doesn't relate to student achievement, I'm not doing it. So, and I, I hate to say this, okay? I'm not a big bulletin board guy. You know, I'm not... I'm not creating these new events and these contests and all this stuff. I'm just really laser-like focused on teaching and student achievement. And that gets criticized a little bit. Like, you know, where's your bulletin board? Why does your classroom look drab over in this corner? Or why aren't you? Be you know what? Because it's not related to student achievement. So you didn't, you, did you not win the door decorating contest this fall? I lost miserably. <laughs> <laughs> I was the last place. I, right. But it was partly because my homeroom students didn't really care about it either. They're like, Dr. J, we don't really want to do that. And I'm like, all right, well, just tell me why. Well, because we're ninth graders and we just kind of, we just don't want to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, what can we do in place of that? So they actually decided they wanted to read a short story instead. Uh, right. It's like, why wouldn't I grab that opportunity? Um, that would and, have been and, a funny door thing, though, to just put in text. We decided not to participate it because we're reading a short story or something. Uh, just, yeah. just to yeah. make your thing. That would have been great. Okay, so, <laughs> that, so, that would have been the winner. <laughs> uh, that would have been the winner. So declutter, focus on teaching and things that enhance student achievement. And what's a third one? Uh, I think 
just, you know, again, going back, not to take things too seriously. You know, I, I was, I was wound a little too tight when I first started teaching in the nineties because I was scared. I was nervous. I, you know, I'm so much more laid back. I'm having a lot more fun and I'm just, we're getting a ton of great things done, but I'm having fun too. And I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm just, I'm not as tightly wound like I used to be. And I think that's really important. And it's a good message to send to not only rookie teachers, right? New teachers, but even the veteran teachers. It's like, guys, come on, you've been doing this for so long. Let's have some fun, you know? Okay. So let's kind of continue along that path in terms of, because you have a really interesting perspective being a, a superintendent, kind of being on the forefront of making policies, uh, those kinds of things. And now you're you're in the classroom again. So let's take a look at a few things here and see how you feel about them now. Let's take okay. grading. How are you feeling about grading now? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, great. You know, I'm really... I'm in conflict with grading. So our school does decree grades, formal grades. Um, and I feel like I'm caught in the middle on that because part of me agrees with some sort of assessment, but I don't like traditional grades myself. Um, so, you know, and grading to me goes hand in hand with homework. I don't give any homework at all, which is on that opposite extreme, right? It's on that far left side of I'm, I'm not going to give any at all. And grading, I think, goes hand in hand with that. So my students and I have a partnership and we have a, I guess we have a, not a bet, but we have a deal with one another where they're going to work really hard when they're under my watch and we're writing and learning and thinking and creating. And then when they go home, go do what you have to do with life. So they know that they have to work very hard with me in the classroom. And I grade their growth leading up to final products, not just like, hey, do you have your homework assignment? Here's a five out of ten or here's a ten out of ten. Now what led so, you what led you to yeah. that belief on the homework, Rick? What what were there some things that were happening or what 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 brought you there? Yeah, you know, I mean for a few years before I went back to the classroom, I was reading Matt Miller's work, you know, ditch that homework, ditch that textbook. Uh, really great guy. And, and, you know, just uh, I've talked to him a few times and I've really wrestled with this as a superintendent because we were I was really strict on, you know, we need to show parents where their kids are at. Um, but it doesn't have to be these traditional grades that maybe you and I grew up with. Right. I just think balance is is important, even though I sound like a hypocrite and I'm saying I give no homework. Right. So balance is key. But I also feel just compelled that I don't want to fight with kids and tracking down their homework every day. And they have real reasons why sometimes assignments just don't get completed. Um, and I don't, I don't want to stress out about that, you know, tracking down homework all day long. And then I just, I don't want to deal with that. And the kids don't want to deal with that. And it creates a hassle. It breaks down relationships in my perspective and I think relationships are stronger when my students and I have a deal. We have a bargain that this is the way we're going to work when we're here together. And then when we go home, we're all going to you know, like I hit the couch when I get home. I don't bring home much homework myself and I don't expect my, my students have real life issues as well. I'm in an uh, inner city Buffalo school. They have real things going on in their lives that I will never understand that I try to understand and I need to respect their lives and where they're at and what they have to do and the responsibilities that they have in their lives. 
And homework muddies that water for me. But you, but you agree with me that it really depends on the community. To me, I look at homework as almost a community issue that they make with parents and teachers and students at schools. Like I've been in some communities where teachers would see a lack of homework as a lessening of rigor. You know, that parents want to right. see, parents want to see that come home and it would actually be on the other side of it. I mean, I'm kind of like you. I see both sides of it. I do give homework. Uh, particularly in math, I think they often need more practice than what they're going to be able to get. Cause I'm in districts, some places they'll have 45 minute classes and that's it. And the students have got to have more time to make sense of that math than those precious few minutes, you know? So, um, okay. So something about reading and I noticed, I read your blog on this. I thought that was a wonderful blog. I'm going to link to that guys. This is a really good blog Rick just wrote. Could you share a little bit on this, this novel study you were doing? Oh, yeah. So Phil Knight's uh, book, Shoe Dog, that came out for Adults First, was written, uh, then adapted into a young, young, young reader's edition. Um, so I thought, this is great, right? The Nike empire being built, Phil goes through his story, um, and it, it really is a wonderful book. But you know what? My students hated it. They hated it. I mean, they liked, they really liked the latter part of the book better than the beginning, but they just were turned off by it. Um, and I don't know if it was more, it didn't have to do with Phil Knight or Nike or it, it just had to do with the way it was written. They just didn't like it. And that's, that's fine. Right. I mean, it's not a big deal. So what I did was I actually read it to them and tried to bring a lot of life into it and dramaticism and, you know, have them laugh at certain parts and have them analyze other parts. So it made it a better book study Rather than just saying like, okay, kids, I want you to be excited about this book and go now be excited on your own, right? So we did it together and I read, I read that sucker to every class. I have six classes. So I read it all six times throughout the day until we finished with it and they wanted me to read it. There were days that I said, hey guys, why don't you read, you know, to yourselves today? They're like, no, Dr. J, can you read it to us? We... So that's how I shifted back to getting them engaged in something that they weren't engaged in. Um, certainly, we could have aborted the project and not have done the book at all. Um, but they didn't decide to do that. They wanted to forge ahead, and they really enjoyed that I read it to them. Um, and that's just going back to grassroots, right? Just back to basic stuff where kids follow along with text, and we read it to them. And they're really getting to see new vocabulary and, and hearing it. Um, and so I thought it was really powerful and, and they definitely enjoyed it much more. Now, how is, ch- now you started teaching in the classroom in the nineties. So obviously technology's changed dramatically. It's, uh, it's funny. I, when I first started teaching in the eighties, um, it was all <laughs> student use of technology and guess what computers we had radio shack. We have radio, radio Shack computers, and we are the hottest district in the state. Thank you so much. Um, but anyway, I don't want to brag, but yes, I had a radio and I had a Commodore. Uh, so technology in the classroom, how has that changed? And, and what are you doing? And boy, I tell you, I, I've been reading so many articles, Rick, about screen time, screen addictions, and all this stuff. I mean, I'm just wondering, because I'll be in classrooms where students will be on, a, on there for 50, 50 minutes at a time on screens. I see others where they're giving them some choices. I would talk to one district where they're giving me a, a day where they're just unplugging. What are you seeing in technology? How are you using it? What are you concerned about? Yeah, I, this is a great topic, Susie. And it, it, it kind of goes along with what I was talking about earlier, this balance that's needed. Because 
In New York State, and I don't know what other states do, but in New York State, students must use pen and paper for their final for their regents exams and their final exams. I don't know what it is anywhere else, but that's the reality that we're living here in New York. And I get really conflicted because I, some of my colleagues are just like all in on the Google Classroom. They're 100% digitized within their classroom settings. They're using digital video. They're using, right? But at the end of the day, our students have to take pen and paper exams. <clears throat> and if they don't pass those exams, they don't get credit for their courses. And if they don't get credit for their courses, they don't graduate. So I find myself doing an awful lot of pen and paper writing with my students. I call it a writing boot camp. Uh, and we started off the school year. I think my students are up to about 6,000 or 7,000 words that they've written so far in a few months. Um, and I, I think balance is key. But pen to paper isn't a bad thing. And I, I get, I get kind of weary when people throw that out completely and move to a fully digital classroom without the pen and paper. Well, we do. In my state, they do take them on computers. It is computerized. But I like some pen and paper, too. And I, I noticed I've, I've seen a lot more teachers in my walks give them choices. Like you can use this technology. You can also use some glitter, you know, and have some glue right. just to make something. And I mean, and I, I get concerned. I, I, one of the concerns I have is when I'm in a high school setting, like if I'm an elementary teacher and I have those students multiple hours, I know how much screen time they're getting. Where I get concerned is if I'm doing walks in a middle or high school or secondary setting. And and, and so social studies are on a screen, math, they're on a screen, language arts are on a screen. You know what I mean? Because I don't realize that two halls over they're also on screens. And that's so, right. So I'm just, I'm just getting a little concerned myself on a general. Okay. So here's the thing I'm most fascinated about because I've never, I've, I've never been a superintendent, nor would they ask me. Um, so, <laughs> but what, what I would say is, you know, gosh, many times we would have things sort of come down to the school level that, that we had to enforce. For example, I'm just going to throw one out. You, we had, I understand attendance is super important, so in my school, which was very high poverty, high transient rate, we lost and gained school uh, students every day. We were always registering kids. There was a policy that came down where after X number of days, you had to personally make that phone call, X number of days of absences. Well, in our school, that would take my entire planning period to track down a couple of parents because their phones were disconnected. This wasn't the parent. This one had to get a, uh, someone to interpret and I mean, just to make those, just to, just to, just to do that, we're on the other side of town, to be honest with you, that would have taken five seconds. And so it was a one size cookie cutter is how I was feeling at the time that it was cookie cutter sort of stuff. Okay. I got that off my, I've been, that's been, that's been bothering me for 10 years. Thank you for listening, Rick. <laughs> thank you. Therapist. Thank you, therapist, Rick. I'm still trying to reach those parents. They're still calling them. if you could if you could help now so there's mine you know what are some things now you're looking back you're like ouch that maybe you did as a superintendent as a central office person but now you're on the other side thinking whoa you're trying to implement that yeah i i'm i'm not i'm not happy to say this but i'm at least reflective enough to say this the things that that I've tried to negotiate with the teacher unions when I was a superintendent or an HR official always were these things that I thought would be good for kids and educators. Like 
the APPR process and the number of evaluations and what they need to look like and our professional growth plans and we want you to be on this many committees and and it, when I look back on this kind of stuff, it's like I had no clue what I was trying to shove down educators' throats when I tried to negotiate new contract language or policy construction that I didn't live through myself. And now as a teacher looking at that, I totally understand why it wasn't that they just didn't want to negotiate fairly. It was because I was asking them to to jump over the planet and not just keep their feet grounded in their classroom in their state. And I, I was expecting more, I was expecting them to bite off more than they can chew. And it was unfair to them. And I, I feel it now, especially when I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm trying to prioritize and, and, you know, do the things that only really matter. And I think we get away from recognizing that we can't put too much food on people's plates. And I'm, I'm at least reflective enough to say that I, I, put way too much food on people's plates in the past and didn't really look at the outcome of that or, or what, what time would need to be invested for that. Um, and I feel bad about that. And I'll, I'll always, you know, think about that when I just go to my classroom every day and, and try to prioritize things. So if you were giving your younger self a message like, uh, or talk about a new, a super, a school superintendent listening right now, what message do you have for central office people, administrators? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would pri- I would prioritize things with the team uh, and not for the team and not have my own agenda and not get my feathers in a ruffle if someone didn't want to do something because I thought that they were being lazy. But really, they were just saying, Rick, come on, this is too much. It's not that they're being lazy. It's it's we have to be laser like focused and the more clutter that we put in or, you know, it's like, Oh, I read this new book and I'm going to share it with you. And now we're going to implement this and no, come on, pull, <laughs> let's get our, let's get our marbles together and prioritize together. I think that's very important. Well, that's, that's really sage advice. I cannot tell you how many times teachers tell me it's the other stuff. They love teaching, but it's this other stuff that just wears them out. And we tip it's oftentimes is called that just stuff or a word I can't use. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I use it when I drive. <laughs> okay. I use a lot of words when I drive when no one else is in the car and I'm not going to admit to it. Okay. So it's about, it's fresh start day and I'm thinking about our teachers and I'm thinking about our kids. So let's start with our, with our teachers. Uh, prioritization, I would say has been your big theme today. Prioritize. Yeah. Um, what are a couple of other tips that you have for, 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 which our fresh start day, we're driving in, I'm excited. Come on, Rick. You know, Rebecca and I, and this is, I'm not trying to promote a book. I mean, buy it if you want, don't buy it. But just the message here is we won't let them speak because student voice is so important. And I think when I started teaching and even when I went through being an administrator at different levels, I didn't always ask the kids what they thought about what we were doing. And you'll just be amazed, like just blown away and surprised by the things that kids give us as feedback that can make our days that much more better for them. And I think that would be another huge tip that, that I would 
tell my own kids about is like, hey, listen, your voice matters and your opinion matters. And I want to know how to get better and make things better. Um, so student voice is just, I'm so passionate about it. And um, I think that's, it's just huge. That could start a fresh day. That could right, that could take your lesson plan idea that you're driving into work with and completely make an audible based on what you, what you talk to the kids about and ask them for feedback. No, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I, we talked before about your book about student voice, you and Rebecca. And, you know, I learned so much from you guys on it. I, I do a lot of little short surveys, but there goes way beyond that. And on, on our on our website, My Expert, if you look on Rebecca's, Rebecca Coda, C-O-D-A, her space and Rick's space, you're going to see just free, fantastic resources they've made for you. You don't have to create this stuff. They've got them for you. Um, and so we have to hear from students how it's their learning. It's their school. How is this working for you? It is just such a key component for a fresh start for everybody. And let's talk a little bit about our learners. They come in, you know, I, I am all about the, the students who, you know, I, my favorite kids are the ones who don't even want to get on the bus. Those are my favorite kids. You know, I, I, those are my favorite kids. I love them. Uh, so I'm looking for ways that the day is starting where it's a new day for you. Maybe yesterday was rotten. Maybe last semester we didn't do our best, but it's a new day. We don't want to hang on to old stuff. And I'll tell you something I've always learned as a teacher is when I cross the threshold of my classroom, I block out any of my own personal stuff. I con I, I'm consciously telling myself whatever's going on in my life that might be kind of negative right now or stressing me out has nothing to do with my kids. I want to give yeah. them a fresh start. Good morning. Say their name. It's going to be a great day. I'm so excited to see you. Uh, and so we want them to just come in feeling so positive because that's just so much of it is our own mindset and their mindset. Don't you think? Rick? It is. It is. It is. We, there's this term that I, that I use. It's called veteran rookie. We are all veteran rookies, right? It's like, I, I say that to my students, like we're veteran rookies. What do you think about this? And they're like, well, what does that mean? I said, well, you're ninth graders, you're veterans. You've been in the system, right? For so long, but we are learning every day. And when I say veteran rookie, they know to look at things with a new lens of a fresh start right off the bat. Um, so we use that term and I've used that term with, with my colleagues, even, you know, we are all always veteran rookies and no matter what we do, that's the fresh, that's the essence of a fresh start. You know, oh, I love that veteran rookie. Okay. I'm really veteran and I'm really rookie. I'm liking that. Okay. So uh, if you had to just rate how you're how are you enjoying your classroom teaching experience right now? One to 10, 10 being great. Where are you? And what do you want to improve on, on this next semester or next week coming up uh, for your kids? Yeah, I, you know, I just, it sounds so hokey, but I really, I really do. It's hard not to love these kids. I really do value it as a 10. Um, it, you know, it's that worth that you feel when you get up in the morning. And I think I just, I want to practice what I preach, right? I, I say student voice, Rebecca and I preach that we, we, I need to do more of that more often than I think I am already. And I want to start off, you know, just going on Monday to, to the classroom and, hey, here's where we're at. What do you think the next step is? And get some feedback from the kids. Um, rather than me mapping out what the rest of their year is going to look like or what, right, what their September might look like, I want to practice what I preach more and more, I guess I should say more often than I do. 
Okay, good words to live by. So your final message to our listeners for your fresh start. Think about the impact of decision-making and forecast that the best that you can. And if you still are, are struggling with your forecasting, ask people. Ask the students, ask your colleagues, ask, right? It's, it's just this whole idea of you don't want to inadvertently create casualties with a new policy, a lesson plan, or whatever it is at, at any level. We want to intentionally make good decisions so that people feel good about learning and they don't feel suffocated. That, that would be my biggest message. Well, I love that. And I would I would have to say your theme today, several of them, but I'm going to take away is really prioritizing. If I just made a graphic organizer and put in the middle, what's going to, what's going to really impact student achievement? Which things do I need to take care of now? Which things can back burner? So it doesn't get so overwhelming with all the emails and all the meetings and all of that. And I think something on a fresh start is being forgiving of ourselves and forgiving of our kids because there are days that I do a great job in the classroom. I'm feeling like, woo, that was really good. And there are days I'm just working on that resume thinking, get me, you know, <laughs> come on, it, you know, it and, is. and, and yeah. so it is a very tough thing. But what I love about teaching is the next day, it is a fresh start. It's like, all right, I'm back. And there, I'm, I'm always amazed at how forgiving our kids are of us. I'm 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 amazed. Like even when I'm doing learning walks, if I'll ask a student, so what do you guys, and they'll even say to me, oh, she's one, oh, she, usually she does something. I mean, they're like covering for us. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's like, it's okay. You don't have to cover for Miss Pepper. I'm a big girl. Uh, But you know, they're they're usually like, oh, she usually does better than this. They'll even cover for me. So (laughs) anyway, anyway, it's too funny. So I, I tell you, I don't want to wrap up. Rick and I do not want to end this podcast without thanking every single educator out there, be it a classroom teacher, a leader, a self, you know, an office personnel person. I mean, it is hard work, yeah. but it is so passionately important and we love what we do. And Rick, thank you so much for joining us on our Fresh Start podcast. Oh, always a pleasure, Susie. Always a pleasure. You're terrific. Thank you. Well, thank, best of luck to your, on your, the rest of your school year. Tell your students, hello. I hope they listen to this and we want to keep up with you and see how this is going, Rick. Oh, that sounds terrific. Thanks, Susie. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our authors' work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.